healthcare. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two-word review just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the last minute. Welcome back to the basement, fellow music lovers. You are now tuned into yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual, and we're so happy to have you down here yet again. I uh, hope you tuned in sort of last week, last Friday or Thursday. Checked out our review of First Aid Kit's Ruins. If not, uh, firstly, go get that album. That's where we landed. That's a spoiler. It'll come to the chase. So uh, save you maybe 20 minutes of listening time. It's great. Um, go go get it. Check it out. Um, and then I think they're going to be coming to D.C. here, but they're certainly going to be touring around the world for probably the next year. So uh, when they come to your town... I help them party down and uh, and go see them if you can. They sell out quick. Uh, but uh, today we're going sort of full fanboy here, uh, not with, with just with the album we're reviewing, but the track we're going to play at the end of this. Uh, first up, though, we're talking about Tune Yards. Now, pretty sure you guys all know who she is, but in case you don't, uh, Meryl Garbus is one of the most exciting musicians to come up in the past like five years or so. Uh, I'll give you a little more background once we get down to the basement, but I, but I want to tell you something about her is that I came to her when we started this site. We lived up in Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., and that is legitimately right behind the Capitol that is shut down right now. Um, or maybe it's not. I don't know. I'm taping this on Sunday. Maybe it'll get a deal, uh, unless it includes uh, DACA and CHIP, uh, then there is no deal. Let's say that right here, but... Uh, neither here nor there. At any rate, there was an awesome little club called the Red Palace, and you go down there and see a show uh, almost every night of the week. Uh, they put some remarkable people through there. You put like other lives through there the night before they headed out on their radio tour. War on Drugs uh, played there. It was the first time I saw them, and uh, right before they blew up for Slave Ambient, Caveman, love those guys. Uh, that you know they showed up there, and I think this might have been. Uh, I can't remember if she was playing with Caveman or Caveman was opening for her, but uh, somebody said Tune Yards, and we're like, well, let's go check it out. And we just walked down, had no idea what to expect, and what we got was uh, indoctrined into the wonder that is uh, Meryl Gar- Garbus's mind. Uh, she walked out on stage with some some floor toms, um, a ukulele, some, some effects pedals, and a, and a killer band. And proceeded to play uh, what is, I think, in my mind and Paul's mind, maybe one of the best shows we've ever seen. Uh, it was it was off the charts amazing, and from there we were hooked. So uh, we've been following her for quite a while, is what I'm saying, and I'm thrilled that she has continued to make music and has this fantastic new album out. Uh, it's a little bit of an evolution, but that's okay. Because people evolve, and uh, we're going to take the trip with her, and hopefully you are too. But you know, if you're on the fence. Me and Michael Zwern, Nabel Michael Zwern, are going to try to convince you here. And then, after you listen to us talk about Tune Yards, I want you to stick around. Um, I talked to Andrew Grossman recently of the North Country, a local D.C. band here. And that is a fantastic conversation coming out pretty soon. Uh, but to get you sort of primed for that, he just put out 
an EP that contains some outtakes from his album from last year, In Defense of Cosmic Altruism. The, the EP is called Ardor and D, so we're going to play the title track from that, which is uh, one of my favorite tracks of 2017. And that's your podcast. So if you guys are ready, if you are set, you have your snacks, you have your beverage, you're comfortable, it's the right temperature, that's important. Uh, let's head on down to the basement where Michael is waiting for me, and we're going to get into some tune yards. I can feel you creep into my private life. Creeping into my mentions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not too late for you to suggest that. Oh, I could. You know, you want to. You want to. You want to suggest that. To, you want to suggest that to four AD. I can. It's uh, not too late. Well, isn't that the same as private life? At this point, in your mentions close. private life. Yeah. Has there been? Uh, and I'm sure Eduardo could tell us about this. Has there been a Black Mirror episode? About your mentions? I don't know, but but when I saw the title, I can feel you creep into my private life. I think it's when people are talking on Twitter, I can feel you creeping into my mentions when they're getting tagged and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. why am I being dragged into this? And I sort of feel the same from the title. I can feel you creep into my private life. Why am I being dragged into this? Yeah, you know, you know, how you, you know how you do it. You just uh, have an internet adage, like we oh, just had. Yes. You just put it down, turn it off. Twenty great teen. Turn it off. One of the ways to make twenty great teen great is to just turn it off. Huh. Think about it. Think about you, it. You it's all, it. something we do. Like that's why I got all the vinyl upstairs. I don't. I don't need the internet to listen to my vinyl. That's good. I need to find it though. <laughs> <laughs> I do need to find it in, in, in large ways. Uh, and but speaking, we're not creeping into our mentions. We're creeping into our private life. Uh, down here, Mike is back. Uh, welcome back. Uh, talk about an artist that we have a long history i think as long as the site has been around with that uh i personally uh think is one of the greatest of all time personally that's uh, she is an amazing talent and watching this talent grow from uh her earlier work to now has been astonishing and i wish more people were like her talking about uh meryl garbus of tune yards starting in 2009 she put out an album called bird brains a little did you say experimental yeah, so I read she created the whole record, her first record on Audacity. Yes, which is the free, which is a, yeah, the free music editing software that I use to like rip old yes. vinyl forty fives onto my yeah. and onto MP threes. But she recorded an entire album on that, which is bonkers. <laughs> it's yeah, and 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 it's it's a testament to her talent. Um, she got a, a good look for that. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. heard it and stuff. But it wasn't until uh, 2011's Who Kill yeah. that really this career exploded. Now, this is, uh, she's, a, she's a New England native. Uh, in a previous life, she's actually a, uh, a puppet master, like she, a puppet theater, yeah. A literal yeah, puppet and, master. And, and look, if you think about like her videos, her artwork oh, yeah. that she does and the projects, and honestly, just the how the music is put together, a characteristic mm-hmm. of her music is that it doesn't ever seem on paper like it's going to work. And somehow all these disparate things come in and you're like, wow, that really worked. That has been through her entire career out of necessity. Uh, you know, back around Who Kill, she was uh, she was doing all this with loop pedals mm-hmm. uh, and loop pedals and multiple drums and her voice. Very sparse band. Uh, we had the pleasure, Paul and I, I think it's still one of the best shows we've ever seen. Saw her perform at Red Palace, which is now <sighs> defunct. Uh, so that's like yeah. a room of like 100 people, 150 mm-hmm. people. Yep. 
and uh and it was it was astonishing and people didn't even know what to think at that point you think back in 2011 uh indie rock might is in a little bit of lull you've got like the super mm-hmm. groups coming up and then this this woman just steps out on stage and destroys everything uh she followed that up in 2014 with Nicky Nack uh an album which we reviewed on here and mm. which got into uh it didn't abandon the disparaging or the the chaotic mm-hmm. nature of her music, but it did get into a little more of the songcraft. I think it touched on that she actually uh, did a lot of work in Africa, yeah, in her previous life, and uh, and actually one of her main initiatives is a water project, right? So, and and so we'll get into this when we talk about yeah, creep into my private life. But a lot of this record, a lot of the subtext is about her as a white American woman doing music that has strong African and black music influences, and her talking about her conflicts i guess yeah. you put that and that she's very explicit about that much more explicit i think than she had been in the past in the songs themselves it's, it's come up it's it's i mean it's a theme it's over yeah. and over and over in the records and and, and that explicitity uh or explicitness is <laughs> is i think a hallmark of hers yeah you know there's tracks on that were on who kill that addressed police brutality right but before it was before it was in, in, a thing. Not yeah. before it was a thing. It's always <laughs> been a thing. I'm putting that in air quotes. A <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, a a thing, political you know, movement. That, you know, um, Black Lives yeah, Matter. Yeah, she is, uh, for lack of a better term, woke as fuck. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think just in tune with uh, this spiritual and artistic universe that very few people that I hear, at least, get to like do. So that brings us to her new album, uh, Confused, Creeping into My Private Life. I want to I want to play a track of this one and then we'll get in, dig into it. But this is the um, this is the first track off the album. It, they actually just made it a single. Yep. I watched the video this morning, and it is everything you love about Meryl Garbus and more. And oh, I should see it. So, She's a great video. Uh, heart artist. attack off of off of Tune Yards. Uh, new album. I can feel you creeping in my private life. Give me 
is, uh, it, you hear that and you immediately, immediately notice uh, that gone is a lot of the chaos. You mm-hmm. think this is very straightforward. But one one thing that, uh, and this one of my notes for this was, good God, Meryl Garbs' voice. Yeah, so she's she's belting it out here. She's singing like, you know, a, a 90s R&B pop diva, you know, yep. full bore. I was thinking like a Whitney Houston almost moment there. Yeah. Yeah, it's and and it's amazing because she's always had a great voice, but it's always been used, uh, not buried, but like just well, she chopped in up the her, service of the song. She chops chopped up, up her song. voice. There's a lot of sort of in her earlier materials, especially she's chopping up and processing almost everything, so you don't necessarily get a sense of her own singing ability. And it's like, oh my goodness, she actually does that. Yeah, uh, she does. And, and I think that part of that has to do with on this album. Uh, this is now a duo. Yeah, full time duo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nate Brenner, who has been playing with her forever. I've, and he's he's amazing, uh, but also like who she worked with on this. She worked with uh, uh, Michaeline Blue Spruce, who's done Solange, Kendrick Lamar, mm-hmm. uh, and it was done in Oakland, actually, California, where she is. I think she still resides. Huh. Uh, I think that's that's or she did at one point, uh, and working um, with Dave Cutch, who's worked with people like Jay Z mm-hmm. and Chance the Rapper. Yep, and and so it's bringing this disparate these disparate sounds almost reining them in a little to deliver uh, a, a message. Now, in doing that, one of the things, the first time I, I ran through this, I was like, uh, I'm, I'm not, like, as... The, the fireworks aren't there, right? Mm. Like, so your brain isn't immediately going, like, just all over the place. And it, and it at first is a little less engaging than I think our other albums. But the more and more you listen to it, you, you settle on the fact that, like, okay, you have... She's a master craftsman, like the last album we talked about, you know, who's working with this and, and is just deciding to, like, highlight one of her instruments a little further on this album. Right. And the rhythmic pieces here are a little more conventional yeah, than absolutely. the earlier tune-year records like Heart Attack. I mean, it's a straight, pretty much a straight dance beat. There's yep. not any erratic uh, rhythms in there. And it's... It's interesting to hear her embracing uh, something more of a pop record sound mm-hmm. than her earlier stuff. While uh, I think the song that I was interested in hearing a little bit later, it's a little more slice and dice in the way that Teen yeah. Yards was in their earlier days. But this feels like a more conventional record from Teen Yards in a way that isn't a bad thing, but it is not as jarring as some of the earlier stuff. Right, right. And then that's, uh, and honestly, I think that's a good move, though. I, I think as, you, you know, any artist isn't going to necessarily stay, say, static. And, and like, how many more albums do we, how many more Who Kills do we want? One of the great mm-hmm. things about uh, her last album, Nicky Knack, was that mm-hmm. it wasn't Who Kill. And it was a mix of Who Kill and this. <laughs> you know, there there's some stuff on there that is just like African folk hymns. And it, and it's amazing, and you don't really get that on this. And what you're getting into, you know, there's uh, we heard that track, which is dance coast to coast. I think mm-hmm. is also dance. You get a track like home, um, home is super interesting, super spacey, yeah, super in the middle of nowhere, and not even jazzy, just like out there, like you're sort of floating. Well, and... Yeah, it's very sparse floating. There was a song that home reminded me of that I can't for the life of me remember right now, but there was a it 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 struck a chord with me because it reminded me of of some things that. When in the 1990s, when alt rock wasn't quite college rock anymore, yeah, but yeah. it was moving in a different direction. But there would be bands that would periodically expand the sound, slow the tempo down, and have you know longer 
vocal melodies at home has that longer vocal melody that's not really rooted in the mm-hmm. rhythm section. So that reminded me, you know, back in the day, low, back in the day, um, coding, you know, these slower songs, spacier influences. I mean, um, and that was different. That was not the heavily rhythmic tune yards that you hear on a lot of other stuff. No, no, it wasn't. Uh, and then, and then you get to a track like, uh, I think the track you wanted to highlight here, look at your hands. Mm hmm. Which is what it's kind of typical tune yards. It's it's a little more it's a little more of a throwback. That was also I think a single earlier in advance of this record. Mm-hmm. I was listening to it again, and what intrigued me about it is that although it seems like a almost playful song at the front, you realize that there's actually a little bit of an undercurrent there of violence and the implication of guns. Look at what's in your the objects in your hands. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, you know, maybe that's where she's going with that song, but it brings you in with a very playful. And what what I keep being reminded of is uh, Tom Tom Club and Talking Heads when they were using African yeah. rhythms. Oh yeah, early and especially Tom Tom Club because they were doing a very playful, um, you know, upper New England, highly educated white people's attempt at playing with African and R and B rhythms. And it was it was super. Nerdy. So the, the, nerdy. The, the, the writing between the, 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 the writing between the two, the difference between the two is that Talking Heads was, even though I think Tom Tom Club at times got more poppy, mm-hmm. but the writing wasn't because they could afford to not because like nobody really was like all about Tom Tom Club. They were all about the Talking Heads, right? Yeah, unless you love Genius of Love. Unless you love Genius of Love, yes. <laughs> um, but let's take a listen to a little bit of Look at Your Hands and uh, come back and talk about it. things come to mind uh when i hear that song and the first is if you told me that that was on the streets of fire soundtrack from the 80s which is <laughs> an amazing soundtrack uh it's william Perret, diane lane william defoe if you haven't seen the film whatever i can dream about you dan hartman <laughs> is that's right but that, that could end up in that but what's wild is is this turns into it starts off that's a pure dance track yeah, there's so no in the 80, no subtlety about the production in the it, 80s uh 80s yeah, drum yeah, the, beats and the, the, the fake gate, the synthesized clapping like, hands like the gated drums almost yep. yeah. yeah and and there's no there's no subtlety in in that in the mix or anything it's just her singing it's a dance track but as it moves through the content of the song it does start to break apart a little and when you get to 
what is clear, at least to you and I, I think, the imagery, the gun imagery, mm-hmm. you start to hear it break down. Right. And then it sort of goes off in the harder space. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think those little subtle uh, subtle moments all over this album are what really makes it and really, I think, connects it to her earlier work. Because, um, you know, if it was straight ahead, she could have a fucking career. Like, it, it all comes back to her voice, like we said. But right. she, if, if she wanted to go out and just make these dance records, got it. I would be really interested to know if, if she ever tried writing songs for a genuine R&B pop song. Pop hit, yeah, that'd be wild. Maybe not her singing it, but writing for a, you know, writing for a Solange, writing for a uh, someone else, you know, who could take some of that material and really get run with it. Because clearly, she she has the production yeah. instincts and the songwriting instincts to work in that vein. And then she also has the inclination to chop it up and and introduce all that chaotic elements into it. Uh, so it's very interesting to hear that on the same song where she's doing a a pure dance song and, and then also introducing those, uh, slice and dice rhythmic components to it, to, um, harken back to her earlier stuff. Yeah. And, and, you know, that is one of the moments I think that the, I guess agenda is clear on this. (laughs) Uh, Again, this, it, it does, it takes a lot more to engage, uh, this than any of her other albums to get the actual content out of it because look you you just you're just gonna want to dance. <laughs> um, I I found a little later in the album uh, there's a track called "Who Are You" that we're gonna play uh-huh. uh, some of right now, and uh, this was following her career and seeing where she's going and where she's been. This was actually super fascinating to me because first time I heard it. Um, she is abandoning some of the pyrotechnics on this, but in many ways, it sounds like it's lifted straight from like a latter day Peter Gabriel. Mm. And when I say that, I don't mean so, I mean, um, it's like us and, uh, and up, uh, where he's using these like African rhythms. He's, uh, making this sparse music, this, this long music. Like this, like it's, it's not, there's not, it's not a pop hit. It's like, you have to sit with it and you, it's not necessarily a story song, but you're getting very deep emotions out of it. And I haven't seen a lot of people doing that. And so to see her doing that was kind of brilliant on this. This is a little bit of Who Are You? Oh, 
Toon Yards Jazz Explosion. Um, you know, that starts with a very simple uh, idea. There, there's so much I don't see. You know, she starts talking about that, and mm-hmm. she's sort of exploring this world and, and looking into it, and, and it turns into... Uh, and it's something that Peter Gabriel did so so well, and Laurie Anderson, who I'm sure and Laurie she Anderson had some did, yeah affinity toward. Did so so well as you can take uh, and and create these musical moments that still somehow have appeal as a song, but they're really not. They're like they're chopping a just a piece out of time, and and you know I'm thinking of a song like Growing Up, <laughs> yeah, you know where like what is that song? It's not it's not really anything. It's like there's a chorus, sure, there's lyrics, but like what it doesn't fit your pop conventions or anything like that. Uh, I have to say, I love the 80s sax on this. Mm-hmm. In fact, Ethiopian jazz is probably true too. Um, but, but this is actually a point where I think she's really stretching and really nails it. There's two points where she drops into a vocal run. The f- Second time she chops it up. Yep. The heard. first one she's the just first one. Yeah. She didn't. Yep. And it's both are gorgeous. And but you wouldn't have seen that, I think, from her before. Well, it's really interesting to see just how forceful a singer she is when she allows her natural singing talent to be presented un uh unchopped up, unsliced yeah. and diced. And what I we were talking uh Peter Gabriel, Laurie Anderson, um, you know, it takes a degree of, uh, of maturity as a singer to get that kind of control. Yeah. Um, back in, um, the 1990s, I saw low a bunch of times when they were early band and because they would perform so slow, they had to become incredibly controlled singers. And I'm noticing how controlled a singer Meryl Garbus is on this record. She's, she's not, over singing, especially on Who Are You, which is a fairly low tempo song, but she's got that control to carry that very long, complicated vocal line through first unadorned. And then the next time it's uh, it's processed pretty heavily. But I don't think she did that on the early records at all. I, I don't think she did. But I think I think and uh, you know maybe we'll get a chance to ask her. Um, I, I think that's due to and low is a good comp for that. Uh, is due to a clarity of vision. Mm. Um, the point isn't that she can sing. The point is that this whole thing it, together is the song, and and all these different parts. While while the 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 tools she's working with may be a slightly different from the past, like her still artistic vision of how she interprets the world and gives it back to us, I don't think has really changed that much. Uh, so. Yeah, it's it's very measured, it's very controlled, but it probably was just a function of like, I need this sound. What do I mm-hmm. do? Honestly, if you take that voice run in there and compare it to the saxophone, mm-hmm. I mean that's what she's doing. Mm-hmm. And that could have easily been a saxophone the first time through. But right, or a violin or something or else. Or a violin like that. or yeah. something, which is not you don't associate with people actually trying to affect through their voice. You know, the voice is just like I gotta I gotta belted out Adele style maybe. Yeah. Uh and you know, and for that it's just it's it's such a win and it and like I can't say this enough. Like it this is like all her albums, it's it takes a few listens to get into. Yeah, I didn't but, give, but, I didn't give Nicky Knack the number of listens that are probably right. merited. I listened to Who Kill quite a bit when it was out 
and I've listened to this one quite a bit now that we have it. Um, but I didn't maybe pay enough attention to where she was going with Nicky Knack. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, you should the more, revisit it. The more you listen to this one, uh, the more different layers creep in. If you pardon the pun on the title, um, there's a lot of interesting dimensions that she's she's pulling from, and and I'm interested in her as a producer because she obviously produces her own material. She also produces other artists. And the Tao record that we were talking yeah. about, the Tao and Mira collaboration she did a number of years back. I think she's a really interesting producer. And because she's so uh, gifted with some of the sonics and the technology of mm-hmm. recording, and she she got into that by probably necessity, economic necessity, Absolutely. learning how to do it herself on free tools. She's got a really interesting production vision, and now she's got more resources and more bandmates and more collaborators. But she's still really interesting in terms of how she's choosing to accentuate or, or, or de-emphasize the production gimmickry yeah, yeah. Cause she can do that, but she doesn't have to. So it's interesting to see where she chooses to use one relatively unadorned vocal melody or one relatively unadorned instrument and the same song, and then also chop it up and play with it and process it for different effects and different musical impacts. Yeah. And I, I think the point at this point with, with Merrill's music in tune yards is is that you really have to decide like are are you going to buy the ticket are, are you going to take the ride and it's one of those artists that that you if you just look at something like this as its own thing you'll enjoy it but if if you instead look at it as in the context of her whole catalog mm-hmm. and mix and match this stuff up i think you you're going to get so much more out of this so much more context and 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 just be like okay this is this is just what she's doing now mm-hmm. a literal record of her advancement not not necessarily a collection of songs um i know her last tour uh was when she used to tour it was, it was two uh floor toms and uh her band behind her saxophone a, stuff, a lot of loop pedals a lot of loop pedals uh, and it was very very rough and as she came up, uh, I remember the first time she played 930 Club. That was basically that. But then the next time she played, uh, she had these, like, huge uh, artistic backgrounds. Mm. And uh, it, it was theater. And it was tapping into, like, her work as a as a puppeteer. And I think that also feeds into, like, what she's doing. She's trying to create this whole experience, figuring out herself as an artist and also, like, figuring out how she sees the world. And, and it's it's just... It's it's just wonderful to watch and hear, mm-hmm. and I mean for that I mean this is uh, again this is early in the year this is uh, it's just a monumental achievement I think for an artist over their career. Is it her best album? I don't know. Hmm. Well, you know it's interesting because if if you haven't followed Tune Yards closely, I would argue the best way to to experience them for the first time maybe to watch their videos because Meryl Garbs is such yeah. an interesting visual artist. Yeah. And that's, that's my point is that you, you, at this point you should really decide, am I buying into her? Am I buying into this vision that this woman is bringing into the world? And if I am, then you're just going to get so much out of this. Yeah. And she just put a new video out, I think literally yesterday or the yesterday, day before, yesterday yeah. for heart attack. So, you know, a Meryl Garbus video is definitely like Bjork at the height of her sort of yeah good uh, good comp. commercial Something we haven't talked about either. commercial and uh, and artistic powers you know Bjork videos were events I mm. mean a Teen Yards video is something you really want to you know take a few minutes of your day to to watch online because 
she has a great visual imagination. And I guess I did not know that whole thing about a puppeteer. That's a fantastic anecdote. It's like a Charlie Kaufman kind of. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but answers a lot, right? <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, a great visual artist who really knows how to accentuate her songs with imagery. And, and I'm sort of curious how she tours on this kind of a record, whether she wants to have visuals, multimedia, um, puppets, God knows what. I think judging by the video, I think it's, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be wild. I, I think, you know, the video brings in a lot of that different stuff, but instead mm -hmm. of using props, instead of it's, you know, using, uh, actual dance. Uh -huh. So, so using that to like highlight points in the song and, in the, uh, and the point of a lot of her music, and a lot of music starting out was that human interaction with stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I think I think it's gonna be wild. I hope so. Well, is there a tour in the U.S. announced yet? I saw that she had toured some in Europe. I think I, so. We'll we'll generally have the in the show notes, like if the artist is touring. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and I think she'll probably come here and play Nine Thirty Club. Be my guess. Sounds about maybe right. Maybe not. Maybe Anthem. We'll see. Anthem, you think? Maybe. Okay. Maybe, maybe you never know. Whip out the big screens and the but that is high technology. But so, so that is so that is uh, Tune Yard's latest uh, creeping in your DMs. Now, <laughs> um, I can feel feel you uh, creep into my private life. Uh, if we would give you a little taste of that, and if you hadn't, if you aren't familiar with her, uh, dig in. You can start here. This is that's the other thing. Last thing I want to say. This is a good opening. You can start here with yeah. Tune Yards. And it it just is going to get better, <laughs> and then and then you'll be a convert like the rest of us. Um, we're going to take a quick break and come back. Mike, thanks for hanging out. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, I think that's done for February or for January. So oh, we're going to get into some fun stuff coming. So we'll be back in a few minutes. Uh, Tune yards, get it. Yards, I can feel you creep into my private life is available everywhere you can get records, digital, physical, uh, beam it straight into your brain. Do whatever you have to do to get on that one. That is a phenomenal work. It's a grower. I mean, just in the week or so since we taped that episode, uh, I've been listening to it more and more. And the beautiful thing about not just this album for her, but just her music in general is that it rewards you by you discover new things. Uh, sometimes years later, go back and put on Who Kill at some point and uh, and uh, see how that sounds in 2018. It's kind of wild, but uh, awesome on her, man. I I can't, man. Such a good artist. Um, and speaking of great artists, got another one right here. Now North Country is a band that we love here. They put out an album, I believe, it was 2016, maybe. Uh, there is nothing to fear. Might have been 2015, um, but at any rate, this is a. But uh, for my money, one of the best bands I've seen in DC, and uh, it was just a powerhouse of great songwriting, uh, fantastic inventive arrangement, and just solid fucking rockmanship. Uh, Andrew Grossman, I said back then, I'll still say it now, is one of the best frontmen that you have never seen, likely, 
and uh, and he he makes great music, even when it doesn't quite hit as it did on uh, in defense of cosmic altruism. But uh, hidden in that in that gem of an album um, was a little song called Order and D. And uh, so as they as they sort of move on to their next phase, uh, he decided to put out an EP of that and the outtakes, uh, the leftovers from from in defense of cosmic altruism. So that's what we got for you right here. Uh, so. I think you're going to like it. I hope you like it. Uh, if not, I love it. So, you know, it's, it's all good, man. But you're going you're gonna to love it. This is Order and D from the North Country.
Order and D from the EP of the same name from Washington, D.C.'s very own the North Country. Uh, you know, when they made that album, they sort of shifted the lineup from the There Is Nothing to Fear band. And uh, that lineup has actually shifted again out of the uh, intensive in, in defense of Cosmic Altruism band. And I am excited because this Wednesday, if you listen to us on Monday, uh, they're going to be playing at Gypsy Sally's. I have not had a chance to see this this iteration of what Andrew is doing with these different people. And I am, I am super stoked. And he's playing with another awesome band that is friends of theirs, big mama shakes from uh, Richmond, Virginia. So uh, I'm going to put the, uh, the, the link in the show notes for tickets, get a ticket. Uh, you know, meet us down there. It's probably me, Andre. Um, we might talk sad Wardo into coming out. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a good time. And I know it's in the middle of the week, but it's something you can do it. It'll be good. Uh, Order and D, you can get it on Bandcamp right now. Just go to North Country. Uh, search North Country and Bandcamp, and all their stuff is up there for you to get, and uh, and it's all great. I encourage you to check it out. That is our podcast for this Monday. Uh, if you liked what you heard, you can tune in and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. You can listen to us on Stitcher. You can listen to us on Mixcloud. You can listen to us on Google Play. And I am happy to announce uh, now that you can also listen to us on Spotify. Uh, it, and that is largely the result of the work of our podcast hoster, Pippa, who's great. But uh, they uh, let me tell you a little bit about them. If you have a podcast that you want to create, if you have an idea, you want to talk about them, because that's the thing that people are doing. And, and, and maybe the market is oversaturated, but maybe it's not. Maybe your idea is worth it. Uh, go to Pippa.io. They have... They will host your podcast for you. They will now serve it to all the proper channels, which I can tell you is a little bit of a pain, uh, especially been doing this for so long. Uh, Haven't been able to sort of click a button and be like, yep, I'm on iTunes. Click a button. Yep, I'm on uh, Google Play uh, is is sort of life changing. But uh, for a small fee, they will they will host your podcast. They will distribute it to the world. And uh, and then if you have questions about it, they will help you. They are they are amazingly helpful, amazingly responsive. Uh, so glad we switched over to them at the beginning of last year, but you can do that. Uh, and again, thanks to them for getting us on Spotify. So yeah, lots of places you can listen to us. We're pretty much everywhere. Um, also like to give a shout out to Jamal Gray. He is, uh, the music you're hearing right now underneath this is off an EP called Aquatic Gardener that he put out. Uh, that is his, uh, sort of one of his pseudonyms. Uh, but J- Jamal Gray is one of the directors out at the, um, Uptown Art House here in Washington, D.C. And what that means for you who are not in Washington, D.C. is he is a uh, advocate for the arts. He he sort of curates a space and uh, and caretakes a space that allows people uh, who want to work on their art to go and do that, uh, which is something that, uh, you know, if you listen to our podcast at the beginning of the year, it's something that we sorely need in this town, and uh, maybe we'll get there, maybe we won't. I, I don't know. That remains to be seen. But uh, he is he is out there fighting the good fight every day. He's, he's an amazing uh, advocate, amazing artist, and uh, you know, honestly, he's, he's my friend, so he's an amazing human, too. Uh, he's, I can say that. Uh, but go get Aquatic Gardener and Bandcamp if you like what you're doing there, but more importantly, look up Uptown Art House, support him if you can, and uh, check out his projects. Uh, what is it? Reaganomics, R-A-Y, Gunomics, and Nog Champa, uh, whenever they whenever they come near you. Or you can have the chance to get their cosmic vibrations in your ears. Um, And that's it. We're out of here. Going to be back on Thursday. Not sure what we're talking about, but it's going to be cool. Uh, So, until then, 
get out and see some live music, hopefully with us at North Country on Wednesday. And be good to your ears, but be better to your people. Talk to you soon. <laughs> 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 Kenobi!